0: Cecily Strong is the author of This Will All Be Over Soon, a memoir. Cecily returns this year to Saturday Night Live for her ninth season. She has entertained viewers with her standout weekend update character, Kathy Ann, Michael Che's wacky chain-smoking neighbor who offers her opinions on current events. Her recurring character, Gemma, a British singer with various boyfriends, also, also quickly became a fan favorite. She earned rave reviews for her notable impressions of Judge Jeanine Pirro, Senator Dianne Feinstein, and Melania Trump. Strong has co-hosted Weekend Update alongside both Seth Meyers and Colin Jost. In 2020, she received an Emmy nomination for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series for her work on Saturday Night Live and also has another Emmy nomination right now. In Chicago, Strong improvised regularly at I.O. and served as an understudy for the Second City main stage and ETC shows. She performed as a member of the Second City National Touring Company and has also appeared in the Chicago Sketch Fest, Chicago Just for Laughs, the New York Sketch Fest, and the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. She has appeared in the Female Brain and Paul Feig's reboot of Ghostbusters, as well as The Bronze, The Meddler, and Melissa McCarthy's The Boss. Additionally, Strong headlined the 2015 White House Correspondents' Dinner. She was raised in Oak Park, Illinois, and has a BFA in theater from the California Institute of the Arts. Also, by the way, this is her 10th season, she completed her 9th season, so this is now her 10th season, and this is her debut memoir, her first book ever, and I had the privilege of doing an Instagram Live with her on her pub day, August 10th, Tuesday, August 10th. I had terrible allergies, and I'm sorry about that, so it wasn't my most coherent since I was sneezing the whole time, but we had a great conversation, short and sweet, and I hope you will enjoy it here
2: hi how are you you? (laughs) happy pub day to you oh thank you thanks great excuse reason to upgrade my instagram
0: (laughs) i'm so sorry i've never seen that before with all the various well you'll see it all
2: with me i do everything wrong no
0: stop it Well, congratulations. as you know, I just loved your book from the second I started reading it months ago or whenever I got it. This will all be over soon. I'm so excited for you that it's out in the world today. How do you feel about it?
2: It's strange. I don't know quite it's still early, so I don't know how I feel. Maybe I won't know until afternoon. I like <laughs> well, I'm a little away. Yes, exactly But Wait. I'm very happy you you've been so nice since early on, so I really appreciate you and, and even you doing this today.
0: Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. You know, the book resonated with me on so many levels. One, the loss of your cousin and how beautifully you write about that and how you flashback and show us all about him as a person, right? This isn't just about your loss. It's about celebrating right. him and now yeah. we all know him and your other cousin and how your relationship evolved and how amazing and supportive he was and, and the impact of that loss on you, but also how you took us through the pandemic and how you showed us how, so like so many other people, people aren't only grieving loss because of COVID during COVID, right? It's like, there's so many other things that happened in life that happened along the way. And you, even you know, when you have that funny line about like, yeah, I'm going to talk to you about boy troubles in the middle of a pandemic, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know yeah. life goes on. So tell me a little bit about what made you write this book. How? Why did you decide to publish this book? I feel like you wrote it for you. Why did this become a book sure. for
2: everyone? You know, I think after doing the first essay, sharing that with New York Magazine, I think I just had a lot of people reach out to me and it seemed like it was maybe helpful for some people. And I thought, you know, early on when I lost Owen, I didn't know how to write about him. I didn't know how to talk about it, but it felt like, okay, if people are maybe going to feel helped in any way, that's the best way I could think of to share my cousin and be able to share him. It's yeah. like, it feels like an active thing, publishing this book. That's like an active way to, sh- that Owen's still going, that his story's still going. It's so true. You had a
0: lot of beautiful passages about grief, but I just wanted to read this one tiny section when you were talking. This is from, and I love how you dated, it's all in diary form, which I love. This is like the, Bridget Jones diary of grief. Anyway, this is from April 17th, 2020. And you say, do you also cry yourself to sleep so often? I keep approaching. Okay. But I'm never fully there. I'll only ever be okay. Adjacent. I'm everything adjacent because words are hard to find these days. I'm living life adjacent right now. Love that. That was so, I feel like so, so many people are living life adjacent these days. Can you take us back to how it felt back then in April when the world was like upside down and you had just been bopping around your Airbnb and coping with everything.
2: I mean, I think because writing this book was such a, a very, like it was a kind of a magical experience for me personally and a lot of catharsis kind of every day. And, you know, because I'm trying to understand Owen and his positivity, he sort of gave that to my life during that time. And so I was making these connections, and it felt like they were gifts. And I think I, you know, I would write during the day. I was in an Airbnb with my friends Matt and Kevin, and I feel like the other love story in the book is my friend Kevin, who I live with now in the Hudson Valley. But so I would write during the day and kind of sit with myself and go through something, and then had to let it go. And then I we'd go to do like a family dinner. And then Kevin would read out loud so I could hear it and it would maybe make us cry or we'd talk about it. And then it was kind of like, got to release that and then maybe have like a little dance party after dinner, you know? Yeah. Tell me a little, also, you wrote a lot about your childhood
0: and growing up and this crazy situation where you ended up like basically getting kicked out of school and having to, I mean, life could have gone a lot of different ways for you. I feel like at that point. Yes. Yes.
2: I mean, that was insane. So in case people don't know about what happened, can you talk? talk So I, yes, my sophomore year of high school, I bought my first bag of pot, you know, real seedy and gross, but it was like, you know, I felt cool, I guess. And I bought it with my friend and I left my book bag to do just like in the green room. I did a lot of theater in high school. I put it somewhere with a friend and to audition for the shadow box. And then they found my backpack and went through it and found the pot. And I was expelled and I was handcuffed and walked out of the school. I can't believe it. Yeah. I mean,
0: of all the things for the tiniest little thing. Wow. And then you had to figure out to, how to land on your feet. The first of many times when you felt right. upside down and having to re- rethink life.
2: Certainly it was the first time of, you know, realizing my life's not going to go the way I had thought it would, or that I see other people's go. I was very lucky. You know, I'm, I'm privileged enough that it didn't destroy my, you know, I got to go to a Catholic school. I, I got to, I got it expunged, you know, I did community service, but then even, you know, then I went back to high school and dealt with, some pretty bad depression and I wasn't going to graduate on time. And it's like, I was a straight A student. and I was going to have to be a fifth year senior because I didn't have enough gym credits. So then I dropped out and wasn't sure if I would ever graduate high school. I was like, I guess I'll just get my GED. But then I found an art school in Chicago and sort of found my people. And I felt like I was very quiet for, I just felt like very small and like I couldn't speak And then I went to this art school and it was like, I found my people. I can't slip through the cracks here. And I just, I I was voted best personality my senior year at that high school. And it felt like that was my, was a huge accomplishment. It's, it is a bit of a brag, me saying that, but it was also (laughs) such a big accomplishment because I felt like I didn't speak or smile a lot
1: for the year before that.
0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just
1: fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Since two thousand and thirteen, Bombus has donated over one hundred million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. Well, you can brag about that all you want. This is your touch. <laughs> By the way, somebody in the comments just asked, are we doing a podcast? I just wanted to say, this will be a podcast on moms don't have time to read books. So if you want to listen to the whole thing or if you miss some or whatever, people can can hear the <laughs> whole thing soon over there. Tell me a little bit about you lost the... I can't remember what exactly role he played on Saturday Night Live, the costume or makeup or some, the man who ended up passing away. Hal, music producer. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. My, my mind goes so far. I mean, it's early, whatever. Anyway, he kind of did a lot. So. (laughs) (laughs) But that also was really, you know, one of those first, the first person you really knew who passed away from COVID. And that was, you know, obviously brought up all the loss from, the months before when you had lost Owen. Tell me about that and how you had to cope with that on top of everything else.
2: Yeah. And that was when it was just with COVID, I think it was so fast. And I just remember being outside, hanging out with friends and looking at Facebook and my friend Yoni, who was like, Hal, number one, Hal is knows everybody and has worked with everyone you've ever thought was cool. Hal's worked with that. <laughs> and was like, the first person you'd see and notice if you walk into SNL, like he's got his hat on and his big beard, and he's always kind of looks like he's up to something. And it was my friend Yoni posted something that's like, I love you, Hal, we'll miss you. And it was like, what? Just sort of stop in your track. And I had, I started texting my friend who's a producer at SNL, and she said, yeah, he passed away from COVID. And I think like the night Hal died in New York, I think there were something like 600 people. It was just like, these are that's so many people. If you think about one of them being the most singular, unique, out of this world human beings you've ever met. And he's one of these 600. It just, you know, these numbers are really overwhelming to see because they're not numbers, they're people.
0: And everybody has a story and everybody has a network and everybody right. has so much love in the world and so much loss and grief. It's overwhelming. It's sometimes, you know, it makes <laughs> me panic to think about it. Over- yeah. it. Over- right. It's overwhelming. So you turn to comedy in the end, right? And here <laughs> you are with this like hugely successful career, which by the way, when you read the book, all you're doing is like rooting for you. Right. So I feel like if people didn't know you before and they read the book, like, you now have all these people just being like, you can do it. You can do it. Oh my gosh, she's making it through and how great. And anyway, how has comedy sort
2: of helped you through some of the hardest parts? Well, I think it's always been a part of my life. And I think, I think laughter is a big, goes hand in hand with tragedy and how we cope, and it is its own little mini cathartic moment. You know, even I, I tell a story in the book about at Owen's service, I tried to, I spoke and I tried to say something. I tried to get a couple of laughs, you know, probably not a, my, a great stand up routine, but I know that he would have appreciated that. And his friend came up to me after and he said, I think Owen would have liked that. And then he said, I was holding it together so well, like, cause it was stoic and it was all sad and serious. And he said, and the minute I laughed, it was like the tears came and it just allowed him to, to feel it. Oh my gosh.
0: It's so heartbreaking. Is there anything in here that like, especially today on pub day, you're like, oh <laughs> gosh, I can't believe I put that out there. You know what I mean? Like,
2: eh, I don't know. I don't know if one's more than another. I I think what's good about the book is that I suppose if you took one thing out, it could maybe make me uncomfortable, but like everything in it together, it's all part of the same thing. And I think it's just, it's all, nothing should be taken out as its own unique experience. It's all been there. And, and I certainly, you know, I didn't write this because I want anyone to feel bad for me. I wrote it because I wanted to just add my voice to the, things that I think a lot of people in America deal with, you know?
0: No, and it doesn't come across as some sort of, you know, self, it's, it's not like a feel sorry for me, self-involved thing. This right. is, you're sharing your story from your heart and there's no real bigger gift than when people do that. Cause all you're trying to do is connect, right? You're trying to yeah. get there and connect to others and acknowledge that your experience is universal. And no, I didn't take it as a reader at all in that way.
2: And I and yeah, I, I hope, you know, my hope is that people who need it, who may find this book, take a moment for themselves and check in with themselves and and see if they're doing OK, because I don't know that we check in with ourselves enough, especially right now. I think it was a really hard year. And I think there's this like pushed. Now we're vaccinated. We're OK. And it's sort of we're not quite out of it. And we may be holding on to some trauma. We may not understand everybody on some level. And even if you think, well, I don't have it as bad as someone else, just checking in with yourself doesn't, doesn't take away from anything and it'll make you be a better support system to somebody else. Anyway, if you check in with yourself and make sure you're doing okay. It's
0: very true. It's very important. There's so many people going through so much and that's also just a fantastic reminder. My husband and I, Kyle, we were on good day LA yesterday recommending you. (laughs) Well, thank you. Oh, sure. He was like, this is such a great title. You know, it's like, <laughs> I like, but it's so true. I mean, it's like, I hope so. Like there have been 57 times since I've been like holding your book in my purse for the last like two weeks where I'm like, Oh, I could just pull this book out for now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you, you need this messaging all the time. So Thank you. it's, it's very important. Well, just last thing, do you have any advice for other people who are aspiring writers who maybe want to share their story in the selfless way that you've done?
2: I think just sitting and writing. I mean, it's really as simple as that. I never wanted to, you know, I didn't train to be a writer or anything. So I don't, I'm not going to write the great American novel, but what I can do is like be as honest with myself as possible. And I think just sitting and writing every day was allowed me to see these little connections and give myself magic and stories to understand and process my, my losses and my loves. And it was a lot about love, you know? It's really just exploring the love I've gotten to have in my life.
0: Well, Cecily, I'm really, really sorry for your loss. And I'm really grateful to you for introducing us all to Ellen and mm-hmm. having him back out in the world in this form and keeping him alive in our thoughts. I mean, that's like all we can really do. Sorry, my Ellen. And he's got
2: music, which is also, and I'm so glad it's good music. But <laughs> if you ever want to hear his voice and his songs, they're called The Evening Fools. His Band, on Spotify. I highly recommend. Perfect.
0: All right. Well, this will all be over soon. Cecily Strong, everybody go out and buy this book, please. And if you want to hear the rest of this from start to finish, go to Mom's Don't Have Time to Read Books. And Cecily, congratulations. I'm so thrilled for you. I'll be here clapping as one of your many, many fans for this memoir and everything else. So congratulations. Thank
2: you so much. I'm sorry
0: about okay. my Instagram. No, I'm sorry about <laughs> you know, horrific allergies and, you know, (laughs) it's real real life, real life. Yeah. All right. We'll have a great pub day. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books.